Hello and welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and at the time of recording this, it is free agency day for League of Legends. So, of course, we're going to get into that. And, of course, because this is my luck, on the show last Friday, which, again, I record on, on Thursday afternoons, I started talking about Perks going to C9 as a rumor, not as a confirmed thing. And a half hour after I finished recording the show, it was confirmed that it's happening. So now we can officially say that Perks is joining Cloud9, which makes their already insane roster even better. Because let's let's just run let's just run down this list here. 2020 Cloud9. League of Legends. That team that borderline went undefeated in the spring split and had a pretty good run in the summer split. Sure, they changed their roster to be slightly different. Because, well, uh, dang, I'm blanking on the licorice is leaving and Niski is leaving. But they replaced Niski with Fudge, who is pretty good, pretty darn good top laner. He was pretty good in Academy. Blabber's still in the jungle. Sven's still in bot lane. Vulcan's still a support. And Sven and Blabber, and Niski to a lesser extent, were the key pieces of that team for the entire 2020 season. Now, they're replacing a good laner, good mid laner, with a world-class mid laner in perks. And good lord, if Cloud9 doesn't... Well, one, thankfully, it seems like Liquid is actually trying to challenge them. We'll get to that, don't you worry. We'll, we'll get to what they're up to in a little bit because they made a couple splashes in the past few days too. But Fudge, Blabber, Perks, Sven, Vulcan. That's a scary team. That is a very scary team. And, I mean, Niski's landed on his feet too. Dude's going to Fnatic. Fnatic's buying him out of his Cloud9 contract. He's going back to Europe and he's going to play for who could very well be the best team in Europe this year because G2 is not going to be a super team anymore. They're still going to have perks. Rumors are that Reckless might leave Fnatic and go to G2. I haven't seen those from any, I haven't seen that rumor from any major source yet, but it's definitely floating around out there that G2 might be going after Reckless and just why not remake the why not remake the 2018 Fnatic team being a being a super team hasn't worked out being like a a a ridiculous super team with the two best players Europe has ever produced clearly didn't work out in terms of winning worlds because they made the finals two years in a row or not two years in a row they they didn't even make they Made finals, lost, 
then didn't even then got destroyed in semis to by the team who would they beat the year before and would eventually go on to become world champions. So it was time to shake things up and a lot of people took that to mean that Carlos might be going after Reckless. Because if Caps and Perks weren't working, why not get Caps' old teammate that he had a lot of success with? Never a world championship, but a lot of success was one of the first was the first Western team to make it to world's finals in years. And if, if that ends up happening, good Lord G2 are are just still going to be gross because they'll have a true ADC and a true mid laner, two of the best in the world at those positions. And they won't have to fight over role swapping. Because that was the big thing with Caps and Perks. They're both ridiculously good, but both of them wanted to be mid lane. And now, they both get to be mid lane. I still thought it was Caps who was going to leave. I thought he might go back to Fnatic, or he he might have an outside shot at coming to NA. But it was Perks who left. I did not expect that. Like, that's... It's not as extreme, but that's on the level of Faker leaving T1. Which is never going to happen. Like... He's he's got ownership of the uh, of the team now, and he's put off his military time forever. And honestly, I hope he can get a pass. I don't know if that's even possible under South Korean law. I'm by no means an expert, but I feel like if anyone who didn't compete in the Olympics or at an event organized by the IOC, because apparently if you do that. Like if you if you represent South Korea at a at an IOC event and you win something, like you're good. You don't have to do military time because it takes so long to train to do another one. So Faker has never done that, but I feel like he's also done enough to maybe earn the same kind of treatment. Sure, sure seems like he's earned it, but this isn't about Faker. He's obviously never leaving T1 until the day he retires and even after he retires, he's still going to have heavy involvement in what that team does because he's faker and he's the reason they are the global brand that they are. Especially now with the, uh, because if, if faker wasn't faker, like they would still be SKT. They would never have, they probably would have never signed that partnership with Comcast to make T1. Like, if Faker wasn't Faker, that would have never happened. But Perks is joining Cloud9. That that team is going to be so scary. Like, will, will Blabber ever need to gank mid lane? Probably not. <laughs> because Perks is just freaking Perks, and he's just going to dumpster people. Good lord, that's going to be... Like Liquid is going to be the only team that can can challenge Cloud9 <laughs> because they do have a good mid laner. They have Jensen and they have a pretty good jungler coming in. They signed Santorin away from FlyQuest and I got to say I think that's a really good pickup because the Broxa experiment did not work at all. Like the Broxa experiment was a failure. 
in in every sense of the word. Dude was he just didn't have chemistry with the rest of the liquid roster, particularly double lift in the spring split. Like they were butting heads constantly. And on his stream, he just constantly ripped NA. Like it was a good idea. It, it seemed like a good pickup. He did good things with Fnatic. Maybe he'd do good things with Liquid, but it just didn't work. It didn't work at all. And I'm I'm glad Liquid is moving on. I'm glad Liquid's moving on from Broxa because it just it just didn't work. He had a couple he had a couple clutch moments here and there, but clearly he was just not meant for that team. I don't know where he's gonna end up. I know he's he's obviously entering free agency if if Liquid signed a different jungler. So obviously he's on his way out, but where he goes, I'm not sure. I would almost say it's pretty likely he goes back to Europe. Like, I don't I don't see a situation where he stays in North America. Because it didn't really work out for him either. He clearly wasn't a huge fan of playing here necessarily. So I could 100% see a situation where... Where Broxa decides, okay, this little NA experiment was fun, but it didn't work. I'm going home. And and that's that's honestly what he should do. Because I don't I don't know which NA team would really benefit from signing him. <laughs> like I, I can't really I can't really decide where he would go. I don't know where he would go from here other than other than back to Europe because I can't really think of a another good fit for him in the LCS. Like maybe maybe he, they just do a straight up fl- flop with or swap with FlyQuest and he goes there, but I don't know how well that would work. They're kind of retooling that roster with with Power of Evil and Santorin both leaving now, so they're kind of retooling that roster. I don't know if Broxa really wants to be a part of that. I mean, a player of his caliber. If I was a player of his caliber, I wouldn't want to. Like I wouldn't want to be part of a a retooling FlyQuest roster that sure they made worlds this year, but they didn't do all that much. They didn't make it out of groups and they're kind of an upper middle tier LCS team. And now two of their best players are gone. So is there really incentive to go there? I don't think hundred thieves would really pick him up because they're trying to build rather than buy which again, I think is a good thing. It's just, that's just going to take time. And I don't know if Broxa really wants to be part of that. And their biggest concern in my book is not jungle. Their biggest concern in my book is mid lane. Their mid lane has been an issue. So I, I don't really see, I don't really see him going there. One of the bad teams might take a flyer on him and pay him a lot of money just to convince him to come play for a bad team, but Cloud9 obviously doesn't need him. They have Blabber. TSM maybe, but TSM has has a decent jungler as well. And TSM is is going through a lot of changes, and I don't know if 
I don't know if him and Bjergsen would really work, and him and Doublelift don't work, so that definitely didn't even think of that. That TSM's off because I know Doublelift doesn't really get along with him too well, so that wouldn't work. Yeah, I think I think he just ends up going back to Europe, and honestly, that's probably the right call, just because like NA didn't really work out for him. I I would say I would say to Broxa. Go go back to Europe. They they appreciate him more over there anyway. So I, I'd I'd send him I'd send him back to Europe. But if if C nine is just throwing fat contracts around to the guy just a couple years ago that everyone was calling Baby Faker, like free agency is gonna get nuts. And Fnatic buying out cloud nine mid laners. Like this is going to get nuts. I don't know where, I don't know where some of those big Asian names are going to end up. AKA Chovy. Like Chovy's going to be the big one to keep an eye on. I don't know where he's going. I'm assuming he's going to stay in Asia at bare minimum, probably stay in Korea. I, I could, I could see that. I could see him definitely sticking around in Korea. Maybe going to China, but that's it. I don't see him going to Europe or North America. And definitely, he definitely wouldn't go outside the big four. Like, there's no way he's going to a a wildcard region. Like, that's not happening. That's not happening at all. But that that's going to be the big one to keep an eye on. There's a few other... There's there's a lot of free agents this year. Let's, let's just see the uh, the list of... Free agents heading into this year. Thank you, Reddit. See what they've... uh, See the list they've got. Impact is probably out at at Liquid. Alfari. Alfari seems to be Liquid's target as well. Reckless is a free agent. Or... Uh, Hillisang's a free agent. Nagiri's a free agent in the LCK. That's a big one. I think he stays with Damwon because they should not let him go. He was a key piece of them becoming world champions. Uh, Chovy from DRX. I could see him maybe leaving, but he wouldn't leave the LCK. Barrel's contract is up. That's going to be interesting. Does Damwon keep him around? Life from Gen G. And as far as China goes, Kanavi. Kanavi's a free agent. Khan from FPX. Sword Art. Sword Art from Sooning. Ooh. If they lose him. If Sooning loses Sword Art, they are in trouble. They are they are in big trouble if uh, if Sooning if Sooning decides to uh, if Sword Art decides to walk like there there's a lot of free agent talent this year this this is gonna be big this is gonna be real big I don't think any of the Damwon guys are going anywhere I think Damwon will will pay insane amounts of money now that LCK is franchising like LCK salaries are gonna go way up. Now that, now that they're franchised and it's not a huge risk because 
you risk blowing a massive salary on a team that just gets relocated from the LCK after the spring split. So now, now that they're franchised and that's not going to be an issue anymore, I think LCK salaries, which I think were already pretty high, are going to go up even more. So I don't see any of those Damwon guys leaving. A couple of those other names, though, they might be on the move. Sword Art, Chovy, Alfari's definitely... If Alfari's Liquid's target to replace Impact, like, Impact's obviously going to be on the move. Who knows where he's going to go? I think... Well, he changed his residency, so he's staying North America. Impact changed his residency to North America, so he's staying in the LCS. It's just a matter of which of the nine remaining teams does he go to after he leaves Liquid and they presumably replace him with Alfari. Now that's just a rumor, but that came from either Dextero or Dot. I think it was Dot. And they're a reliable source. So if if that's the case, I wonder where Impact's going to go. That That's going to be a big one. One of the longest tendered members of Liquid's current roster... Like, he's going to be end a really, really good North American, like, NA caliber top laner. I know he's not NA nationally. Like, he's Korean. But wonder where he's going to go. wonder where he's going to go. That That's going to be one of the big ones to keep an eye on. There's a, there's a few in NA. And I'm... I'm very excited to see how this all shakes out. Because we've already gotten some crazy stuff. Like... If you had told me after after Worlds last year, after after Worlds last year, that G2 would go on another dominant run through Europe, they would make Worlds again, they would lose in the semis. One, I wouldn't believe that. I I assumed like after after Worlds last year, I assumed G2 was gonna win this year. Because I thought they would be on a straight up revenge tour and they would just cut a path through Europe, MSI, Europe, Summer, and Worlds. And just, and they because they got so close last year, I assumed this year, it was just like, oh, okay, it's time to, it's time to just dominate. We're going to get the first ever Grand Slam, bring it on entire world. And that was not the case. They dominated the spring split. There was no MSI. They struggled a little bit in summer, but still won the European Summer Championship and then struggled at Worlds and got swept or almost swept in semifinals. So not what I expected. And then you tell me after all that, once free agency starts, Perks decides, nah, I'm done with G2 and I'm done with Europe. I'm going to North America to play for Cloud9. <laughs> what? <laughs> Would not have seen any of that coming. <laughs> like, I expected coming into this year, the storyline to be G2's revenge tour after they were already pretty good in 2019. <laughs> but that was not the case at all. They they won Europe Spring and Europe Summer, but there was no MSI and they definitely didn't win Worlds. Oh man, what a, what a year 2020 has been. And League of Legends is only going to get crazier before the year ends. Well, I think that was the biggest one. I think that was the biggest splash in all of free agency is is perks to is perks to Cloud9. Like like Cloud9 perks still coming out of my mouth like feels so weird. I would have never expected him to come to NA. 
I mean, if it was going to be anyone, it was going to be Cloud9, but still. And Jack on Twitter is just full-blown trolling, like, ready to ready to take more L's for Cloud9's offseason. It's like, oh, you know, just the biggest free agent signing in the history of North American League of Legends. A guy who won MSI last year, made World's Finals in dominant fashion, dominated Europe the past couple years. Yeah, bring him to Cloud9. We still we still took an L on the offseason. That man is a troll, and I appreciate him. Like, please never retire, Jack. <laughs> Esports needs people like you. But that's what I got for League of Legends. What's your uh, what's your biggest bold prediction for free agency splashes? Could be in the LCK, could be in the LPL, could be in the LEC, could be the LCS. Could be whatever, but... Let me know on Twitter at RealPatterson50 at Mashup underscore pod. But up next, oh, it was a weekend in the NFL. I've got some opinions. We'll get into that up next here on the Mashup. So it was a weekend in the NFL and three big storylines have come out of it so far. The Cardinals just coming out of nowhere and beating the Bills. The, the Dolphins are still ridiculously good, but as soon as... Tua started and was going off. We call kind of knew that was going to happen. But the Cardinals, man, <laughs> I did not expect this from them. I knew the NFC West was going to be the best division in football. I thought the Cardinals were going to be the worst team in that division. I thought it was going to be the Seahawks. It was going to be the 49ers. It was going to be the Rams. Then it was going to be the Cardinals. That has turned out to not be the case. It is the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Rams, then the Niners. Because... The Seahawks beat the Bills yesterday on one of the most freakish plays I have ever seen. And they don't have much of a defense. They they haven't for a while. But when you have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins with Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach, you're going to score a whole lot of points. <laughs> and one of the one of the better regular clutch regular season touchdown catches by DeAndre Hopkins in that game like there were three or four blue jerseys just hanging all over that guy and he still I think it was three there were like three blue jerseys in his general vicinity and he still pulled that thing in I could not believe that one that was I really thought the bills were gonna win that game the Bills were were playing really well. It seemed like the Bills were the better team all day, which the Bills are still a good team. Don't get me wrong. The Bills are still a very good team. But on the day, the Cardinals were better because they made the play when they needed to. And good Lord, what a freaking play. Like, my God. <laughs> and it's a shame because... The Bills nailed like three 50-plus yard field goals in a single game, which is nuts. And it still it still wasn't enough to win. But at the same time, if you're in a position to th- kick three field goals of length of 50 yards or greater, what is your offense doing? <laughs> because sure, oh, you have a good kicker, but what is your offense doing that you are in that situation that often? <laughs> Because if you you swap any one of those field goals for a touchdown, any one of those three 50-plus yard field goals for a touchdown, the Bills win that game. The the Bills win that game because that game was very close. And it's a shame that that that's what happened, but 
that's the NFL for you. And the Cardinals are reaping the benefits. They're and they're in a really good division too, which makes it even more insane that they're playing so well. Because that's the thing. The Seahawks don't have enough a defense either. The two best teams in the NFC West have like no defense. So I don't know necessarily know what they're going to do in the playoffs, but it seems like one of them is going to have to go play the Eagles. And even with no defense, they'll still be able to kill the Eagles. Because, duh, the Eagles are terrible. And they're not going to have fans the rest of the season at the game. So, even if you're on the road, sure, it's a cross-country flight, but, like, if no one's in the building... (laughs) And you're going up against a bad team because, let's be honest, the Eagles are a bad team. You're going to win that game. You're going to win that game easily. And as it should be, like, the the winner of the NFC East this year should not get a home playoff game. The winner of the NFC East last year shouldn't have got a home playoff game. They're just even worse this year. That division is truly awful. Like, good God. Like, how is how is an entire division in the NFL that terrible? And how is the entire NFC West that good? Like, the NFC West is ridiculously good. Because the Niners would still be good if they weren't injured to hell and back. That's the problem with the Niners, that they are they are dealing with the injury bug big time. I don't know what kind of deal they made to make it to the Super Bowl last year and lose. And then this year, they're probably not even going to make the playoffs, even with an expanded playoff. Like, that just sucks. Like, you make it to the Super Bowl last year. You don't even really have a shot at winning the thing. Like, the Chiefs were going to win that thing. They were clearly the better team. That that Super Bowl feels like it was forever ago. It was... Was it was this year? It was, it was nine months ago. <laughs> like it wasn't really that long ago in in the grand scheme of sports, but it feels like it was forever ago. But like the Niners really didn't have much of a chance of winning that thing. Like as soon as the Chiefs' comeback started, that game was over. So they go through all that. They choke in the Super Bowl. They lose to the Chiefs, and then this year. They get injured to hell and back in empty stadiums because California sucks. Like, good Lord. I feel kind of bad for them. Hopefully they'll bounce back next year. Because everyone... But two defensive linemen both coming off ACL injuries. Thankfully it happened in the same game. So depending on how both their recoveries go, they're going to come back at the same time. And then they then they lose George Kittle. Like, good... They, just what happened to them? They they were without Jimmy Garoppolo for a couple weeks. Not long after he comes back, Kittle gets hurt. So there goes there goes Garoppolo's best weapon. I don't know. I I, I just feel bad for the Niners. I, I don't feel bad for the Cardinals though, because they're they're looking pretty good. They're looking really good. I didn't expect this from them at all. There's the surprise team, both good and bad, in every in every NFL season. And this year for me, it's the Cardinals. It's it's hard to deny that I uh, 
didn't think much of them, and now they're going on a freaking tear. And they, they've won some close games, but you got to win close games in the NFL to uh, really do anything. So props to them. One of the other things that happened this weekend, Drew Brees. Drew Brees, it seems like now the injury is legit, but maybe not. <laughs> like, he got slammed down. He landed on his shoulders, but they said it was his ribs. And apparently he has a punctured lung. But they didn't take him to the hospital. He was just sitting on the sideline, which is really weird because I feel like if you have broken ribs and a punctured lung, you're feeling it. Like, you are in pain. That sounds like that sounds like a very painful injury. And apparently they didn't take him to the hospital, which is very strange. And he's going to be on the shelf for a couple weeks, and Winston's going to be starting for the Saints. But a lot of people think it's it's a uh, it's a little suspicious, just just a tiny bit, because he wasn't playing that well. Some people think they may have just straight up benched him and, and used the injury as an excuse. That seems to not be the case because why would you lie about an injury that serious? Like, why would you lie about punctured a punctured lung and cra- and broken ribs? Like, good Lord. Th- that sounds like... That sounds like a very painful injury. I don't know how close to fatal that is, but I'm guessing it could be pretty bad. It seems like it wasn't that bad. It was just enough to consider it a punctured lung. But, like, the optimistic projection is two to three weeks. What? (laughs) That's what I saw on Twitter. The optimistic projection was two to three weeks. I don't know if I believe that one. I think he's going to be on the shelf for longer, especially because he hasn't been playing amazing this year. But we shall see. I I think the timing's a little suspect, but I think I personally think the injury was legit. Like I personally think the injury was legit, but the timing the timing's definitely a little suspect. It's just a matter of like figuring it figuring it all out. Because I think it will all eventually come out, but you never know. I mean, like Drew Brees' career is winding down anyway. He's he's coming to the end. Same with same with Brady and Rogers. Like I think I think Brady's done after this year. I think Rodgers has maybe two more years left. And Breeze, probably the same thing. One to two more years. Maybe three if he pushes it a little bit too far. But, like, I I think these guys all have under five years left. Like, I, I think there's five years left between the three of them. Like, that's how little time I think these guys have left in the NFL. And I think most of those years belong to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Like, I, I think there's maybe five years between the three of them left in the NFL. Like, it is it is very much the end of an era. It is very much the end of an era in the NFL. Same with Roethlisberger. I think, I think if you throw him in, you maybe push that number to like eight. You maybe push that number to like seven or eight years if you throw Roethlisberger into the mix. Like, it is a... Because that man's going to keep playing until he either dies or a limb falls off. And I, I don't I don't necessarily understand that, but he's he's gonna keep playing for some ungodly reason. But I think even between the the four of them, 
there's maybe eight years left in the NFL between all four guys. And honestly, to some of them, I can't wait till they're gone. Because I, well, I don't, I, I only hated Tom Brady as a Patriot. I don't hate him now. He's, he's actually likable in Tampa. Roethlisberger will never be likable. He's, oh, I hate him. I, I've made my opinion on him and Pittsburgh very clear on this show. I can't wait till he retires. Because he's going to drag it out long enough that they're not going to be able to get a good quarterback to replace him. And that is going to bring me great joy. But yeah, it's very much the end of an era in the NFL. Like we are entering the, like we're kind of already there, but we're really in, like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen have definitely entered themselves into that conversation as the next generation of quarterbacks. Like Russell Wilson's going to be the guy for a few more years. And like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are going to be the guys for a few more years, but then it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. Like those are going to be, they're going to be Brady, Peyton, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Like those were your five for the, the last era of the NFL. Those are your next five. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. Those are your next five. I am I am staking my flag on that one right now. Those are your next five guys. And throw two in the mix there too. Like, it's going to be, it's probably going to be six. It's probably going to be those six guys are going to be like the guys as NFL quarterbacks for the next 15 years. And seeing as one of them is my team's quarterback, I'm good with that. <laughs> probably get two, three Super Bowls out of it. So I am just fine with that. I am... I am 100% okay with a a new wave of quarterbacks, one of them being the Ravens quarterback. But it's going to be like it's going to be weird once all those guys are finally retired. I think Rodgers will probably be the last one to 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 do it. Like he's he's going to be the last one to pull the trigger on it. But I think I think Brady's next, then Breeze then Roethlisberger, then Rodgers. Like I think, I think that's the order of retirement we're we're gonna get. Just just my prediction. It could change. Roethlisberger could be the last one too, but I don't think he's he's going before either Brady or Breeze, unless he unless he has like another really bad injury. Like he he's probably gonna hang around the longest, other than Aaron Rodgers. Like, unless his knee or his elbow just totally give out, he's going to be the second to last one of, of that group to retire. Which, ugh. I have to look at his ugly face two times a year for a few more years. And then he's probably going into TV, and they're probably going to put him on every single Ravens game, because why, why not torture me? But, speaking of the Ravens, that game in Foxborough was an absolute disaster. And before I hear... Any Lamar Jackson hate. I know about the stupid 10-point meme. Like, oh, if the if Lamar Jackson's down 10, he can't come back. Shut up. Someone said it on Twitter, and it is perfect. Kyler Murray's not having too many problems throwing to DeAndre Hopkins, but he would probably have more than a few problems throwing to Willie Sneed. And guess what? They're right. And Lamar Jackson would probably have a whole lot of sess throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. That man has a patchwork O-line 
that was that is losing that lost one of its best players a couple weeks ago. When when Ronnie Stanley went down, I was like, oh crap. Like when Ronnie Stanley got injured, it was like we're screwed. Like there goes our O line. Marshall Yonda retired, and they haven't found a good replacement for him yet. And then Ronnie Stanley got injured. That O line is made of tissue paper. The Ravens O line is made of tissue paper, and they have no wide receivers. Like clearly. I had hope in him. Hollywood Brown's not the guy. Mark Andrews isn't an elite tight end because every time on crucial drives, he's dropping the ball at least once. He makes big plays, but a lot of times it's when the Ravens are already up and he's helping seal a victory. He's not helping come back from one. And yes, Lamar Jackson's decision-making needs work. He's 24. How many of you make... I mean, I'm 25. I didn't make good decisions when I was 24. I still don't. How many of you that are listening to the show right now that are older than 24? I know that's probably not many, but how many of you make good decisions when you were 24? Not many, I'm assuming. Because no one does. I get it. He's an NFL quarterback. He's the reigning MVP. He won the Heisman. Like, he's got to be smarter than that. And he does. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't need to fix his decision-making issues. Yes. But... Marquise Brown needs to get separation from J.C. Jackson. Mark Andrews needs to stop dropping the ball on key freaking drives. The Ravens front office needs to sign an offensive line not made of wet tissue paper. The defensive linemen need to stop getting injured. Like, Patrick Queen, he's a rookie, needs to be smarter about making a play on the ball and not backing off his man. Like, the defense played like crap in Foxborough, and it was pouring down rain on that final drive. So I don't want to hear any Lamar Jackson slander. That that He made his mistakes, but that loss was not on him. The Ravens are getting... The Ravens are getting hosed by the NFL officiating. Like, that was... There was clearly a stop made, and it was fourth down. And the refs did the signal. Like, the closed fist, it is fourth down signal. And then they scooted the ball up another half a yard and gave the Patriots the first down. What kind of crap is that, NFL? My God, you are shockingly incompetent. NFL officiating ever since like Gene Steratore retired, even when Gene Steratore was still around, NFL officiating was bad, but after Gene retired, it got so much worse. Like every TV analyst, because Fox started the trend of having a former ref be your rules analyst. Every single TV rules analyst is saying, what the frick are the refs doing to the Ravens? Like they can't actually say that, but that's what they're saying. What is going on? What is the vendetta against the Baltimore Ravens from NFL refs this year? Holding never gets called on the Ravens' opponents. Pass interference penalties against the Ravens are hot garbage. Like, I don't get it. You should want them to be good. You have Lamar freaking Jackson, one of the most electric players the NFL has ever seen. Why are you constantly screwing his team over? was some of the worst calls I have ever seen. Not putting time back on the clock against Pittsburgh. No call in the end zone. Horrendous pass interference calls that gave Pittsburgh life on drives. Terrible calls against the Colts. The Ravens finally got a bad call to go their way. It is like the only bad call that's gone their way this entire season. There have been so many bad calls against them. Like, I'm not even complaining that much about the fact that that call sucked. One, it benefited my team. I can acknowledge that call sucked, but they've had so many terrible calls go against them. They owe us. Screw you, NFL. And 
I don't care what anyone says about the stupid 10-point meme. I know it's a problem, but guess what? Lamar Jackson has a long-ass career ahead of him. And you know what? He's probably going to lead a whole lot of comebacks. Once his offensive line isn't made of freaking tissue paper, and he has receivers whose hands aren't coated in butter. Like, that is the plan for this offseason. Offensive linemen and wide receivers. That is all you need. Your defensive line is fine. We don't need another running back. We don't need... We need to shore up the secondary a little bit because you you can never have too many of that. The defensive line, fine. The linebacking core will get better. There's no issue that needs to be addressed on defense. The issues that need to be addressed is in wide receivers and O-line. Eric, Eric DaCosta, I am speaking right to you right now. That is who you need to draft this offseason is wide receivers and offensive line. Just find the biggest offensive lineman you can, draft all of them, and get a couple receivers. C.J. Arbrough is going to be a late-round steal. For the love of God, please take him. I will buy his jersey in five seconds. C.J. Arbrough is a freak of nature, and he's going to be a late-round steal for somebody. I said I was saying Antonio Gandy-Golden all last year, get one of his former teammates. Bring him to Baltimore, please. <laughs> I will buy his jersey in five seconds, and you will not regret drafting him because Malik Willis is very similar to Lamar Jackson. He will adjust very quickly to the Ravens offense. Draft CJ Yarborough. He will be there in the later rounds and he will be a steal. Eric, I already think you're a genius. You will look like even more of a genius if you make that pick. I know I'm biased and I don't care. I want this team to be good. I want this team to be elite. And we need offensive linemen and we need wide receivers to do it. So to all the haters, I hate all of you. You can all suck it. You just want to be proven right about your horrible take a couple years ago when Lamar was coming out of college. That's it. I know the 10-point meme is a thing, but my God, it's stupid. Oh, Lamar Jackson can't can't beat the Patriots in a torrential downpour with an offensive line made of wet tissue paper. That's not his fault. He made some mistakes in that game, don't get me wrong, but that loss was not on him. That loss was on Matt Skura. That loss was on Greg Roman. And that, lo- that loss was on the defense playing their worst game of the season. The defense played better against the Chiefs than they did against the Patriots in Foxborough. I will say that with absolute conviction. That is the worst game the defense has played all year. And they're injured to hell and back. Of course it was awful. They're running out of defensive linemen. Of course it was terrible. I, I can't believe... Like, the Ravens aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. There's no way. They, they don't have a defense anymore. The offensive line is trash. They have no wide receivers. Lamar Jackson can't do it all. He's good. He's the reigning MVP. But he's not that good. No one is. Not even Patrick freaking Mahomes. Because look at all the weapons he has. Patrick Mahomes is better than Lamar Jackson, don't get me wrong, but he would struggle with this offensive line and this receiving core. I don't know why that's such a hot take, but apparently it is. But that's what I've got for the NFL. Up next, we'll uh, get into some Valorant. The UMG closed qualifier field is set, and this is going to be pretty interesting. We'll get into that up next here on The Mashup.
All right, welcome back to the mashup, and I'm not going to get as ranty about this because there's not as much here to make me angry. <laughs> but the UMG qualifier field is set. The groups haven't been announced yet because why would they be? The tournament's only in three days, and it's going to run all weekend, which that's going to be nice. It's going to be a lot of Valorant to watch this weekend. And given the field of these 16 teams... We're going to get some good stuff because I didn't expect certain good teams, Cloud9, T1, TSM, to be in this position. I thought they would have qualified for first strike already, but then 100 Thieves happened and uh, beat them both and made sure they had to go through this tournament instead. I mean, they got they got bids of, to the, the real tournament itself instead of doing the uh, the open qualifiers, but still... It's pretty funny. But even with even with the expanded field and all 16 teams, Cloud9 Blue, Complexity Gaming, T1, and NSG as the 5th through 8th place teams at the Nerd Street Gamers qualifier, they're still my favorites to win the thing. Like, they're still my favorites to get the other four spots in first strike. Like, duh. Why, why wouldn't it be anybody but them? They're four of the best teams in North America. But there's some other teams that very much have my attention. And one of them is kind of a surprise, even to me. It's the Moon Raccoons. Like, the fact that these guys have even made it this far, one, I still love that name. I love that name. I love that logo. Like, their logo is ridiculous. A, a cartoony raccoon with the word mark. In front of a in front of an equally cartoony moon, like yes, 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 I love that. That that's such a cool logo. I hate that they're probably gonna have to change it whenever they do get signed because these guys are gonna get signed, no matter what they do in this tournament. If they make any kind of noise here, which I think they will, because given the fact that they beat Phase, they can handle some of these other teams. They can handle Dignitas. They can handle Endbox. They can probably handle Immortals. The the top four, maybe not so much. But like the fact that they even made it this far, they can make some noise. Like I think I would probably say if I had to pick four Dark Horses, it would probably be the Moon Raccoons, honestly. Gen G, FaZe Clan, and NRG. If I had to pick four Dark Horses from the UMG qualifier who I think at least have a chance to take one of the spots from C9 Blue, Complexity, T1, and TSM, it's those four. It is it is the four of them. And yeah, I'm picking Moon Raccoons over other professional orgs. Immortals, Nbox, Dignitas, Space Station Gaming, SSG, they're pretty good at Valorant. They're better at Rainbow Six. They're a, they're a Rainbow Six org in my mind. Now, their Valorant team could prove me wrong and, and make some noise at this thing, and props to them. They'd be prominent in a second game. Like, they're really good at Siege. It's a completely different roster, but they have a really good Siege team, so I trust their, their front office to make good decisions. Like, the org itself to make good decisions in signing people. But... I don't know if they're necessarily ready yet. Like, they've got a good team. Don't get me wrong. They've, they've got a good team. But 
are they ready yet? Can they really handle Cloud9, Complexity, T1? Definitely not TSM. Like, it, it's a sh- it's still a shock to me that TSM is, is in this thing. Like, I never would have expected them to not get out of the NSG tournament. Like, I never would have expected them to not make it out of the thing. But 100 Thieves did it. 100 Thieves beat them and Sentinels. Like, considered the two best teams in North America. And they beat them by a combined score of 4-1. to one, And they 2-0'd TSM. They ended up getting swept by Envy, but, you know, they had already made it to first strike. So that, that matchup with Envy didn't really matter. Heck, the match with Sentinels didn't really matter. Like, if you make it to top four, you go to first strike. So, and like, there's no seating in first strike, at least not until groups are over. So, like, they beat Sentinels when they didn't need to. And they definitely didn't need to beat Envy. They were, all four of them, along with Sentinels and Renegades, like, they were guaranteed to get in. Like, so why... Why pull out all your guns against Envy? Now, don't get me wrong. Envy's good. Envy's really good. Like, and they picked up Food and Crashies after T1 dropped them. So, <laughs> those guys are motivated. And they are motivated by revenge. And, honestly, I can't blame them. They were on a pretty good T1 team, and then T1 decided to drop them because they didn't really get along with Skadoodle. At least that's the rumor. Like they weren't they weren't clicking with Skadoodle for whatever reason. But if like I said, if I had to pick out of outside of the the obvious four, like those are my guys. The Moon Raccoons, FaZe, NRG, and Immortals. Like, because Immortals Immortals have had some good results at big time tournaments. They're just not on the same level as TSM. Maybe this is where they get over the hump. And I would love the storyline of a freaking amateur team making making a making it into first strike because that would set the tone for Valorant esports. Like a an amateur team with a ridiculous name making a major riot sponsored tournament would be straight up incredible. Like a, a tournament organized and sponsored by riot, this amateur team with a ridiculous name and an even more ridiculous logo runs through a gauntlet of ridiculously talented teams to face another gauntlet of ridiculously talented teams. Cause the four teams that are already there, are really good. They had to be to make it that far. But I'm I'm actually really hyped for this tournament this weekend because like these are all good teams and we're going to get some good stuff out of this. Like I really enjoy Valorant esports. I think it's I think it's well on its way to becoming one of the most popular in the world if it's not there already. Like viewership for the tournaments has has been high on all of them. Like the game hasn't surpassed CSGO on Twitch yet, but CSGO also has an eight-year advantage and, like, a 22-year advantage as a franchise. So, 
The fact that Valorant's even close says a whole lot. But I think that would 100% set the tone for, for Valorant Esports and say, yeah, we're different than CS because, like, our amateur teams can find can find a way. Like, can find a way and can win things. Like, it happened in the uh, on the women's side of thing with Magical. Obviously, they're not amateur anymore. They're Cloud9 white now. But, like, think about that. Like, and sure, these guys are going to get signed up. Th- these guys are going to get signed up by an org. There, there's not many orgs in North America left that haven't signed a team. But, like, they're going to get signed up by somebody. And they're not going to be an amateur team anymore. But they will have earned it in the build-up to first strike. Because that's what you got to do when you're an amateur team like this. You have to you have to prove yourself first, and then you get the payday. Some of the guys, they were already fine. Like, like T1. These guys were never going to need to prove themselves. These guys are all ridiculously talented. Legends of the game they came from. And T1 threw a whole lot of money at them to make a big splash in Valorant right away. Same with like TSM did the kind of a mixture a mixed bag and signed a couple more established guys from CS and a couple um and comers from CS who were like, maybe this maybe I can't take this as far as I'd like to, and I can go get in the ground floor of this new game that I'm really good at instead. And seems to have worked for TSM. Because Wardell is a freak of nature. But one team that is on the smaller side of things, even though I learned today who is uh, really signing the paychecks, the Pittsburgh Knights. I hope they get 2-0'd in every match they play in. Like, I hope they get 2-0'd and as close to 13-0'd on both maps as possible. I don't think that's happening. I don't think they're... I think depending on who they get matched up against, they could get they could get 2-0'd, like... If they end up in a group with with Phase Gen G and T1 or Phase T1 and TSM for some ungodly reason, like one, that group would be awful. That'd be the group of death at this tournament. But if they end up in a group with, say, actually this would be more fair. Maybe Cloud9 Blue, the Moon Raccoons, and, and NRG, like that could be a, a legit group. Like if they end up in that group. I hope they get 2-0'd in every series and 13-0'd on every map. Because my hatred of Pittsburgh does transfer to esports. Even though most of the guys on this team are Canadian. (laughs) Three of the five players and their coach are all Canadian. And I I highly doubt the two Americans are from Pittsburgh. (laughs) But they represent Pittsburgh and they are owned by the Steelers. So I hope they get stomped on. (laughs) Whoever ends up in their group, I will be cheering for you wholeheartedly. Even TSM, who, as kind of a mild Sentinels fan, I don't really like them. I can acknowledge they're good, but Sentinels Sentinels have a place in my heart, even though 100 Thieves is kind of my team. Which, same time, like, 100 Thieves is pretty quickly climbing to their level. It's not the same level of hatred that Sentinels has, but... I don't really like TSM. I respect them. Don't really like them. I still want them to kick the crap out of the Pittsburgh Knights. Because 
any team that hails from Pittsburgh and wears those colors is an enemy of mine. And especially after learning today that they are in fact owned by the Steelers. And that just makes it a million times worse. I hope they get stomped on. But I'm, I wish the, uh, I wish the groups were set already, but probably won't see the groups till the day of the tournament on, on Thursday. Like first day of the tournament, right before it starts, the, the four, uh, the four groups will be set. Hopefully they balance them a little bit and you don't get, you don't get too much of a group of death. Cause they could be mean and just do C9 blue complexity T1 TSM. You're all in a group together. Have fun. They probably won't do that. They'll pro- the four of them will probably be in four separate groups because that just makes sense because they all qualified for this thing out of the same tournament. But I'm I'm actually really excited for the uh, the final UMG qualifier this weekend. And it's going to suck cuz then after this weekend we have to wait we have to wait what? Yeah. Just over a week. That's actually not that bad. Like it'll be it'll be two weeks from the start of this tournament that actual first strike kicks off. First strike kicks off, or North American first strike kicks off December third. So and it run and it runs through that weekend because only eight teams. But that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. That that's gonna be a really fun tournament. Whoever comes out of the the UMG qualifier like is gonna make first strike a really good tournament. I'm kind of hoping for the Moon Raccoons upset run because I think that would be amazing. I don't know if they'll do all that well in first strike, just given the level of talent and the level of talent that'll probably come out of the UMG qualifier. But I I want Moon Raccoons to make a run. I'm Since I don't really have a dog in the fight with any of these teams since 100 Thieves and Sentinels have already qualified, like, other than wanting... Pittsburgh to lose. I don't really have a dog in the fight here, so I'm I'm kind of pulling for the uh I'm kind of pulling for the the Moon Raccoons. Because I want them to win things and somehow even if they get signed, I want them to find a way to keep that name alive at least in spirit because that name and that logo are amazing. I know no org will probably let that happen, but it it should. Or just have a, don't even have a, don't even attach the name to it. Just have, just have Mark Cuban sign these guys. Like just have Mark Cuban buy the Moon Raccoons IP or, or something ridiculous like that. That would be, that would be kind of amazing. Probably not going to happen, but, and I know Mark Cuban wants to get more involved, but I, I would love it if something like that happened. If Mark Cuban was like, you know what? I'm I'm signing you guys and I'm buying the IP if that's okay and we're just going to start an org called the Moon Raccoons. Moon Raccoons Esports. That's our org. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> they, they might have to change the colors to blue and white just to like match the whole Cuban vibe, but other than that that'd be amazing. It's not going to happen, but it would be amazing. But that's what I've got for uh, Valorant. Let's go. Let's go, Moon Raccoons. I I really want you guys to win this thing because that would be kind of incredible. But uh, up next, we'll uh, get into some very interesting stuff coming out of the CDL. Not in the good way. That's up next. You're on the mashup. So 
there's not much to talk about in the CDL. It's all kind of one story, but it's a big one. So I, I felt the need to, uh, to get into it. The, the last, the last three things might just be all one rapid fire segment just because there's not a whole lot here, but it'll, there, there's enough worth talking about. It's just not enough to uh, separate it out into separate segments, but so yeah, this one this one's actually going to be kind of a kind of a rapid fire segment. So, over the weekend, Scump uh, got in some trouble with the COD League for apparently doing doing a Raid Shadow Legends sponsored stream, and apparently doing a stream sponsored by a game other than Call of Duty is against COD League rules. Now, if you've spent any time on the gaming corners of YouTube or Twitch. Raid Shadow Legends has sponsored literally everyone. So, it's no surprise that they sponsored Scump. But when he especially in the off season, dude should have every right to do that. Dude should have every right to do a a sponsored stream. Like the Huntsman as a team did a sponsored stream for freaking Popeyes. Like Raid Shadow Legends is a lot more connected to the gaming world than crappy fast food chicken and yes Popeye's chicken sucks you can at me all you want I am right (laughs) Popeye's is disgusting like this is a Maryland only reference but I would rather eat Royal Farms and for those who don't know Royal Farms is a freaking gas station I would eat Royal Farms chicken a hundred times out of a hundred over Popeye's one Royal Farms is closer to me two Royal Farms somehow is cleaner and three, Popeyes is gross. My my little chicken related tangent there, but like the the Huntsman now Optic Chicago have done sponsored content by Popeyes, a crappy fast food chicken place that I think is relatively regional. Meaning they can do that, but one of the players can't do a sponsored Raid Shadow Legends stream. <laughs> He got fined for that. What? One of the biggest stars in the league. Like, he exclusively plays Call of Duty on stream. That's like all he plays. Because it's what he's known for. It's where he made his name. As one of the best Call of Duty players in the world. Which he is. But, like, why? Just, just why? Like, other athletes can get sponsors outside of the league. It happens all the time. Like, because last time I checked, the NBA, there are different shoe sponsors. Like, LeBron's are Nikes. Kobe's are Nikes. Chris Paul are CP3's. They're Jordans, which is which is also Nike. Heck, Jordans. Those exist. D-Roses, they're Adidas. Curry's Under Armour, KD's Nike. So, what's uh, what's the problem with that? Nothing. The NBA doesn't care, and there's a players' union that allows players to get outside sponsorships. What a novel concept! Like, yeah, they'll they'll appear in sponsored content that's team sponsors. But I mean, team sponsors are indirectly helping pay their salaries. It's like team sponsors and ticket t- and uh, ticket sales. T- 
Team sponsors, ticket sales, TV revenue. That's what pays player salaries. It's predominantly TV revenue, but those other two things definitely help. So they're because they wouldn't they wouldn't have sponsored stuff at games if it didn't. I mean, it's a way to make more money, but still, like, if you didn't really need it, would they do it? No, probably not. Like, if if TV revenue and ticket sales took care of everything, they probably wouldn't have as much sponsored content going on at sporting events. But why can't Scump, a gamer, do a sponsored stream for a game? I, I know, it's a mobile game and it's not made by Activision, it's not Call of Duty. Like, sure. But that's still really freaking dumb. <laughs> like, and, and now, and he had the scalding, steaming hot take that competitive games should have a ranked mode. I didn't realize this was an uncommon opinion. Apparently it isn't. Because the league also got mad at him for that. And so did the lead developer at Treyarch. Which, like, he wasn't even directly talking about Call of Duty. It was kind of implied he was talking about Call of Duty because he said it right after the Black Ops launch when Black Ops was fresh on everyone's minds. But the pros have been nothing but complimentary of Black Ops because they were all so tired of Modern Warfare. Like, and, yeah, competitive games should have a ranked mode. I didn't realize this was a controversial opinion. <laughs> and now it seems like CDL players are talking about unionizing. Now, generally, I don't really like unions. I think they kind of suck. They make things worse for people. And they generally are a bad thing. In certain cases, they should exist. Heck, when unions first became a thing, they probably needed to exist. Now, not so much, but that's an entirely different discussion that I am not anywhere near informed enough to have. That is just my opinion. But I think esports players should have players' unions, especially now that franchise leagues are becoming a thing. The LCS Players Association already exists. I think Overwatch League should have one. I think CDL should have one. You don't really need one in the games where the leagues aren't franchised. They're just open structure and orgs are just paying people. Like, you don't really need that because there's no league. There's governing bodies, but there's no actual quote-unquote league. Like the, the Overwatch League, the LCS, and, and the CDL are. Like, but in a situation where you have a franchise league with a lot of money on the line, there should probably be a players' union. I think Overwatch League players should start talking about this too. They haven't had the same problems COD League players have had when it comes to how they're treated by the league, but they should still do it. I mean, there, there's more players, and there's a lot more... There's multiple countries and a lot more of a language barrier, sure. Like, there's... Like... The CDL is working with, what, four countries? Who all kind of have trade agreements with each other? Like, that's fine. That that would be a little bit easier to work with. What, the, the Overwatch League is working with, what, six? 
yeah, U.S., Canada, England, France, Korea, China. And unions aren't looked upon too kindly in China, so maybe the Overwatch League Players Association may not happen. But the CDL Players Association more than likely should exist, especially given the way the CDL has been raking its players over the calls. And if Scump and Crimsix can agree on something, <laughs> you know it's bad. If if anything can get Scump and Crimsix to agree, it's either so ridiculously good that it is just a universal opinion, or something is so ridiculously bad, which it is in this case, that these two need to work together to fight a common enemy. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Because the, the tweet thread I saw was uh, was Scump and Crimsix talking to each other about organizing a players' union. And if you're getting the two of them to work together, this is clearly much worse than even we're seeing. Because unless that's all for content, those two don't really like each other. At all. Like, that was the whole rent-free comment. Like, the rent-free and the poster and everything. Like... I think it might be played up a little bit for content, but these two definitely aren't the best of friends. There, there were, there was some, there's some legit beef there. They may play it up for the cameras because they're, they're both former optic guys. They know content is king, but there, there's definitely some beef there. I think they might just exaggerate it a little bit. But if you can, if you can get these two to agree on something, something is seriously wrong. So I am, I am in full support of a CDLPA existing because honestly it kind of needs to because the way the CDL treats its players sucks and something needs to be done about it so hopefully hopefully they can get that to work and Activision will accept that I mean Activision works with SAG-AFTRA it's not like Activision doesn't work with with unions like they they hire actors for their games through you through SAG-AFTRA like working on an Activision or a Blizzard game is a union job so what's working with one more that probably won't have as many insane demands as as SAG-AFTRA does because SAG-AFTRA kind of sucks not 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 as big a fan of SAG-AFTRA as I am the uh the players unions now, when they were created, they needed to exist. They're one of them. But players' unions probably still need to exist, even in esports. I know it's not as much of a toll on your body as the professional sports, like traditional sports world has, but esports players and franchise leagues, they, they need a players' association. At least for stuff that's US, predominantly US-based. Because Overwatch League, that might be a little tricky, but with CDL, when you're in four countries that are on generally good business terms with each other. Like, get a players union, for God's sake. <laughs> and, I'll, and for the most part, they're going to be negotiating under U.S. labor law. So, <laughs> and across the four of them, it's, it's very similar across those four countries. So it probably wouldn't be that hard. But that, that needs to be a thing. CDL Players Association, that, that needs to be a thing. But like I said, just going to rapid fire this. So we're just going to switch right over to the NBA. And 
the rumors are swirling. And so one of the big trades of this much delayed off season, because it's November, the season should have already started by now, is already happened. Chris Paul is now a member of the Phoenix Suns in return for a ridiculous trade package. It's Chris Paul and Abdel Nader, who I, I he's like a role player on the Thunder. That's that's not the big piece. The big the bigger thing is the return. Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, and Jalen Lake, and a 2022 first round pick. That is a lot. That's a big haul for just two guys. And really just one. Like, I'm guessing Nadair is more of a salary dump because they needed to make roster room for all these other guys. But giving up a first round pick for Chris Paul, like, that's pretty big. And hopefully this works out for him. I think, I think him and Booker will actually click. For whatever reason, I think uh, I think him and Booker are going to click. I don't know why. It just seems like their their play styles would work together a lot better than than Paul's and Harden's did, or what it did in in OKC. Because OKC was kind of a patchwork team; like they were tanking, and obviously Chris Paul wants to get the heck out of there because he wants to win a championship before he retires. Because they're going full rebuild and having a talent like Chris Paul on your team is going to mess with that. So I'm, I'm actually okay with this trade. I think this will work out well. I think this will work out well for both teams because it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it feels like a good fit. I don't know why. But Chris Paul and Phoenix and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, like, that feels like a good fit. I I don't have much evidence to back that up, but for whatever reason, that feels like it would work. Not sure why, but it, it feels like it feels like it would work. It feels very similar to the early Clippers. Just instead of Chris Paul and two bigs, it's Chris Paul, another guard and a, and a forward. Instead of Chris Paul, a forward and a center. Like, I feel like you could get a lot of the same stuff you got from the early, like, Dunk City era of the of the Clippers. And they'd be much more appreciated in Phoenix than they were in L.A. Because the Clippers are the second fiddle in L.A. And that's not changing anytime soon, especially now that the Lakers are good and just won another championship. Like, that's not changing anytime soon. They have way more championships than the Clippers do. I mean, the Clippers are moving out of Staples, which is good. That's that's very good. They needed to get out of Staples. They needed their own place. Like the the Lakers and the Kings can share Staples. Like that's fine. But the the Clippers needed to get the heck out of there. And I I can't say I blame them. It's kind of funny that they bought the Forum, but you know <laughs> that makes it hilarious that they're playing in the Forum. Like Steve Ballmer's a troll. And I appreciate him. But the other trade that is starting to float around because, I mean, came from the man himself, where he where he wants to go. James Harden. James Harden has said he wants to go to a contender. 
And his top two options are Brooklyn and Philadelphia. I I don't know what to say on this one. <laughs> I really don't want James Harden joining the Sixers. I think that would be an unmitigated disaster. Whether you pair him with Simmons or you pair him with Embiid, like, that's going to suck. Harden is not a guy who can win you championships. The guy who could win you championships, you let walk last summer. You uh, you let him walk on down to Miami where he will probably win a championship if the Giannis rumors are true. Probably several. Because Butler, Giannis, and Bam is just scary. And Ty- Butler, Giannis, Bam, Tyler Hero. Like, that's a, that's a championship core four. But... I really hate the idea of James Harden being a member of the Sixers. Like, the Nets are his other option. That's definitely not going to work. Harden and Kyrie? Oh, God. Harden and Kyrie would be bad enough. You throw KD into that mix? That's three gargantuan egos. That would just never work. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. Like, oh, the Nets are going to be so good if they, if they get Harden. No, they will not. They're not going to be that good with... With uh, Kyrie and, and Durant. They're not going to be that good with the two of them. Because the two of them aren't going to click. And you you add, you add an even bigger ego like James Harden into that mix? Oh, heck no. That ain't working. That ain't working at all. But I, I don't know. I Like if he... I'm already bordering on sheer apathy for the Philadelphia 76ers. If if they actually make that trade, especially with the rumors being Simmons for Harden straight up, if they actually make that trade, I'm I'm truly done. Like I am I am truly done with the Sixers. I'll I'll just be an unaligned NBA fan because my team is just a raging disappointment to me. They would still be technically my team. Like, I wouldn't pick another one. And if someone asked me who my NBA team was, I'd say the Sixers. But I would not be emotionally invested in them. I'm already not very emotionally invested in them. Like, I am the the Ravens, the Orioles, the Flyers, and and Liberty, along with my various esports teams here and there. Like, I'm not that emotionally invested in the Sixers compared to other teams that I call mine. Like I'm, I'm already, they're already at the bottom of my totem pole. If they make this trade, they're basically off the totem pole (laughs) because that will not work. Harden in Philadelphia will not work at all. And apparently the Sixers don't see that because they fired all the smart people because they thought analytics didn't work. Overuse of analytics is a bad idea. I, I will... Admit that 100%. Overuse of analytics is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Completely abandoning analytics is also a terrible idea. And that is what the Sixers have done. And if if they go through with this James Harden trade, I'm I'm officially giving up on them. They, they don't deserve my emotional investment because it's just not worth it. And yeah, that's... Hopefully he goes to the Nets because... Even though I think it wouldn't be a, a, it would be an absolute disaster, but 
it would be a really funny absolute disaster. That team would implode. It would kind of be amazing because all three of them are really cocky and it would be hilarious to see them all pointing the finger at each other. Tell me you wouldn't laugh at that. That Kyrie, Harden, and Durant just just constantly pointing the finger at each other instead of instead of just like admitting that we all have giant egos and we need to keep them in check if we want to work together. Nope, it's his fault. No, it's his fault. No, it's his fault. No, it's his fault. Just around it in a triangle. It'd be amazing. Like Kyrie blaming Durant, Durant blaming Harden, Dur- Harden blaming Kyrie. Oh, that'd be that'd be gold. That would be co- that would be sports comedy gold. So I kind of hope that's what happens because I don't want him in Philly. Like we had the guy. His name was Jimmy Butler, and you let him walk because one lucky one lucky bounce away from going to overtime in Game Seven. One lucky bounce. And it's like, nah, we're not going to keep Jimmy Butler around and run it back. That was the entire plan. Everyone was tweeting, run it back. No, we're, Jimmy Butler doesn't really get along with Brett Brown, but he's the best player we've had since Allen Iverson. Or him, him and Embiid seem to work together pretty well. So, so does Simmons. They're kind of clicking, but he doesn't really, but Jimmy Butler doesn't really like Brett Brown. See ya, Jimmy. We're keeping Brett. And then fire him a year later because he couldn't do anything with the neutered roster you gave him. You should have just fired him last year and re-signed Jimmy Butler. You would have done things this year. You might not have won a championship, but you would have done things. You would have gotten swept in the first round and looked completely lifeless. God, that team makes me mad. I I need to stop emotionally investing in them. Like... I, I need to just stop emotionally investing in the 76ers until they, they earn it back because it, it's just not worth it. They're, they just constantly disappoint me. But uh, one, one final thing before we wrap up the show, there've been rumors about these for months, the NHL's new reverse retro jerseys. And I think it's a cool idea. They're throwbacks that are, they somehow mess with the color palette in a way. And a lot of these turned out really good. Some of them turned out not so great. Now, full disclosure, I am using Sports Illustrated's Hockey News article for their ranking. I do not agree with this ranking, but I will go down their list. So this is in their order. This is not in my order. Just just getting that out of the way. Their number one is Colorado. Colorado's in in my top five, definitely, because it's literally just the old Nordiques logo, the the igloo with the hockey stick and the, the Florida Lees along the bottom. But instead of instead of uh blue and white with a little bit of red, it's avalanche colors. It's the maroon, the light, it's the maroon, the light blue, and white. It looks this looks good. Like, I'm not even an avalanche fan. I would probably buy this jersey. This is this this might be one of my favorites. Like, this one is really good. Like, now that I'm staring at it, I, I love this one. The, the next one on their list, I don't have this one as high, but I will admit it's a good look, is the Kings. It's the, 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 Lakers, the Lakers color scheme, which the Kings have used in the past, but they're using the, the Gretzky era logo, the one that kind of looks like the, the Chevrolet cross. Which I think looks good because that is when they first started using the black and silver they use now. 
was the uh, the Gretzky era logo. Like the the old logo when they used purple and gold was was just a crown. It was kind of tacky. Didn't look very good. And it, it kind of just felt like they were hijacking the Lakers' identity a little bit. This one, now that it's a third, I, I, I do really like this one. Wouldn't say this one's in my top five, though. The I'm I'm not a fan of the the Devils. I, I don't really like their like this is their old 80s jersey, just color swapped where green is the primary instead of red. But I, I don't like this one. I, I've never liked the uh the the Christmassy vibe of the of the Devils red and green. Just it looks cool, it kind of evokes jersey, but this one's this one's too high as far as as far as I'm concerned in Sports Illustrated's ranking. Montreal, it's hard to screw up Montreal's jersey. It is a it is a very classic look. It's hard to screw up red, white, and blue. I do really like this one. It's solid blue. It it's basically just a just a color flipped version of uh, of one of one of theirs. Like it's it's kind of a color flipped version of their red one, where it's blue with a a red stripe across the chest and and white armbands like or across the chest and the arms. Like it, it's a really good look. This one, this one probably is in my top five. Carolina, you, you can't go wrong with bringing the, the Hartford Whalers back. It's literally just the Hartford Whalers jersey, and I'm a fan. I mean, it's a it's a gray Hartford Whalers jersey. You you can't go wrong with that. The the Hartford Whalers had an awesome color scheme, and the Hurricanes have done throwbacks to their color scheme before, but I really like this one. This one's probably gonna sell like hotcakes. Minnesota's it's it's basically just their their current white jersey with the uh, the green and green and gold of the North Stars. Awesome look! I love this one. Columbus Sports Illustrated has this one too high. Columbus is sucks. Columbus is actually one of my least favorite. It's it's way too late nineties, early two thousands for me. Like this is this is not good. I know that's when they were founded, but this logo sucks. The red body with the white sleeves is okay, but I, I don't really like this one. The The Throwback Coyotes one is good. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for purple. It's got the desert along the bottom. It's got like black detailing on the arms. And I love that Coyote logo. Like the the more cartoony Coyote logo with the, uh, the half hockey mask face. I like this one. St. Louis Blues, this one sucks. I, I don't like it. I, I don't think the Blues should really have red anywhere. Like the blue should be blue and yellow. They they should not have red anywhere. This is it's a disgrace that Sports Illustrated put this one in the top ten. Winnipeg, I love Winnipeg's. Winnipeg's is really good. I uh, I love I uh, I really like gray and dark blue, and it, it's offset by a white stripe running through the whole thing. And the the more muted version of their their throwback logo. This is this is a good one. This is a really good one. Toronto's it, it's Toronto. Their jersey hasn't changed much in the hundred plus years they've been a team. This one's pretty cool though. I do like the really wide arm stripe. I like the I like the wide stripe at the bottom of the chest. Like I I like this one. Chicago's awesome. You you can't screw up the Blackhawks jersey either. Really, it's they they've literally like never changed that logo. And I I'm a sucker for black and red especially black, red, and white. Like this is another one where they're not my team, but I would probably buy this one if the opportunity presented itself. Pittsburgh's, 
I mean, it's it's black and yellow. Like, it, it's just another black and yellow. I, I kind of like the diagonal, but eh, they've they've done better throwbacks. This one's this one's not amazing. The Rangers. This is another one where theirs haven't changed much, but they brought back the Statue of Liberty head with the NYR. Good, really good. SI, this one needs to be higher. They they put this one at fourteen. No, this one's. This one's probably my number 10. The the Caps, I I will be the first to admit I'm not a huge fan of the Caps, but I love the the old the old Eagle logo. Like they they shouldn't wear it all the time, but the old Eagle logo is really good and I like the uh I like kind of the offset uh like the diagonal stripe that separates red from blue on the body. That looks really good and it it matches on the arms. I'm I'm a fan of this one. Buffalo's not great. I do like that they're actually incorporating the saber, but it's it's a little bare on the chest compared to the other ones. Like this should be their secondary logo. This should not be their primary. Like I like I like the buffalo with the cross saber rather than just the cross sabers in the circle. And just the giant word buffalo across the bottom of the chest. Yeah. It's it's not great. I love the Senators. Love, love, love the Senators. It's kind of a play on the the Ottawa 67s, at, which are kind of based on their old, much, much older look, like the original Senators. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of this one. You got the you got the good helmet. You got the wings coming off of it. Just two really simple black stripes on the arm, black stripe across the bottom of the, across the chest, or thick black stripe. I I like this one. Tampa Bay's eh, it's it's a lightning jersey. The script font's a little weird. But they they don't have much to work with. They're they're a newer team. Oilers, it's it's an Oilers jersey. What what can you really do? Like what can you really do with an Oilers jersey? It it it's a little different. Like it's it's cream colored and it with orange and blue stripes. You don't see that too often from them. The orange shoulders is nice, but nah, this one's this one's not great. Boston's this one sucks. It's it's bland. The the bear logo on the shoulder looks like it's scared out of its freaking mind. Nah, they could have done better. The Sharks, this one's really good, but <laughs> Sharks jerseys, I mean, it's mostly because I'm a sucker for gray. Like, I, I really like gray with, with blues for whatever reason. Like, the gray with the, the teal trim on the collar, the teal trim on the bottom of the chest, it's teal at the, the lower part of the arm. And I, I like the, the black dividing line across the shoulders. Like, this is a good one. And, the the shark logo is great. The shark biting the hockey stick in half. This and they they even kind of like tone, negative tone shifted this one. This like like color shifted this one. I really like it. And the the teal captain's logo. Like this is good. This is a really good one. Nashville's doesn't look all that much different. <laughs> Florida's same thing. Kind of looks like their regular jersey, just with some different. Like this looks like. They changed their regular jersey. They're they're another team that doesn't have all that much history to work with, but this one does not li- look much different. Same thing with the Islanders. This is just a normal Islanders jersey. I see no difference here. Like at first glance, I see no difference with this one and their their normal one. I'm sure it's different somehow, but I'm not seeing it just at just at first glance. The Flyers one. There were fans who hated this one when it first leaked about six-ish weeks ago. It leaked not that long ago. 
I I actually like this one. It's it's a color flip of what some of their better designs from the from the early two thousands, where it was like predominantly white on the arms with black trim. They they flip this around where it's predominantly black on the upper arms with with white trim. I think the uh, the stadium series jersey the the mono the mostly black one with like the the big orange stripe across the center behind the logo that one's still my favorite alternate they've ever made, but this is. This is a good one. It's a disgrace that Sports Illustrated put this one below three jerseys that don't look that much different from the team's regular one. Vegas, theirs is too low. I'll say that now. I I really like Vegas's. They've been a team. They're going into their third season. They don't have all that much history to work with. the The logo feels old school. I like that it's predominantly red. the The gray and gold is a little weird. I think if you made this one gray, it would be better, but that's that's my personal bias showing a little bit. Like if you made this one, if you flipped gray and red on this jersey, this one would be top tier. I, I'd put this one just outside my top 15. So it's it's kind of in the upper half. Like I'd say this is number 16 firmly. Like so just barely in the upper half of the league. But the the logo is cool. It's a it's a star with two cross swords instead of the the night helmet. Like if, if you flipped the gray and the red, like if you made gray the primary and red one of the trim colors, this would be this would be one of my favorites. Mostly because I'm a sucker for gray and red, but this one this one looked good. The Ducks, I don't know why they brought this back. This is a bad look. This, this one's just terrible. It's got the cartoon Mighty Ducks logo on it. Nah. This, this one's not good. Vancouver's is okay. It's, it's not, it's not great. The, the gradient with the green is kind of weird. I, I like it better than, than Sports Illustrated gave it a rating, but it, it's not, it's not the best one. Calgary's, this one's not super offensive. They shouldn't have dropped the Flaming Sea. Like it's, it's a horse head. It's a yellow horse head that's breathing fire from its nose. Like, eh. It's got red eyes. It's got a red, red mark on its head. It's okay. I like the idea of throwing black in there, but the Calgary flame should be, should be red and gold primarily. Like if you color swapped this one with the golden Knights one, both of them would improve significantly. Like if you flip the color palette around, like made black, the primary of the Knights Jersey, like black or gray, that one would be top tier. And if you made, the primary color of this Calgary jersey red and and maybe uh if, if I were to flip this one red jersey black horse head uh and then yellow flames coming out of its nose like that's how I that's how I'd color flip this one Dallas this one sucks and Detroit's I agree with Sports Illustrated here this is terrible it's just a plain white jersey with gray armbands right at the elbows and the the Red Wings logo. Like, you have so much history in Detroit to pull from. Like, their Winter Classic jerseys, their outdoor game jerseys, which are always throwbacks, have always been so good. Their, their Winter Classic jersey from, I want to say that was 2012 at the Big House, when they had the white jersey with the, the Old English D that is so common in, in Detroit sports. Like that one was incredible. This one sucks. This one absolutely sucks. I I really hate this one. 
But if I had to pick a top five, I would probably say Sharks, uh, Flyers, Caps, Blackhawks, and Jets is is my... Now, Nordiques, number one. Flyers, number two. Jets, three. Uh, the Hurricanes, four, because you can't go wrong with the Whalers. And Caps, five. Blackhawks are up there. The uh, the Coyotes are up there. The Wild are up there. Like th- those are those are my favorites. Definitely, I would say the no particular order. Well, no, Colorado's is number one. Then the others, no particular order. I'd say Montreal, Carolina, Minnesota, uh, the Caps, the Coyotes, the Flyers, and the Jets. Like that's those are probably my favorites. The Rangers one is really good too. Most of them are good. It's just the bad ones are really bad, so they kind of stand out. But that's what I've got for the show today. What what was your favorite for the hockey fans? What was your favorite reverse retro jersey? I'm I'm curious. Is it because maybe my biases are showing when it comes to the Flyers jersey, but it seems like Flyers fans have come around on it. But that's what I've got for today's episode. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And I will talk to you guys on Friday. See you then.